Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. We're going to have uh, hopefully a little bit of a quicker episode. I know yesterday we did part one of the NAM whistleblowing uh, video with Kyle Witt. Uh, we got 16 minutes in. We got about 25 minutes to cover. I'm going to actually play it at 1.5 speed. So if you listen at two speed, it's going to be even faster. But uh, I do need, I, I am on a little bit of a time crunch. So I do want to provide some comments as well. And we're going to try to play this in its entirety. I have some uh, clips from Dottie Lewis from the Send Network as well, and um, and just some other information to share with you. I know uh, Kyle Witt, who had been, uh, just to review for those who um, saw the video yesterday or listened, he had been training with NAM for two years. He found out that there's a false gospel being promoted by the Send Network, specifically Dottie Lewis. He has an email thread going back and forth with Dottie Lewis where he confronts him on this. You can download the thread on the link uh, on the video on YouTube where that he posted, Downgrade at North American Mission Board. Uh, and then he's got documents from NAM itself uh, that, uh, or the Send Network, that are just um, concerning, to say the least. That uh, this idea that you don't really have the full gospel unless there's some kind of social justice attached to it. And so he critiqued that uh, yesterday, uh, what we went through yesterday and today. We're going to go through more. His issue seems to be that, as well as the way that NAM functions, the controlling tendencies. They don't really want independent thinkers. Uh, I think we're going to get into more of that today. Um, and it's important for those going to the convention as messengers, those giving money to their churches, who then give money to the cooperative program, which goes to the North American Mission Board, some of that. You think it's going to just proclamation of the gospel, making disciples, and not all of it is. Some of it's going to some bad stuff. And that's what Kyle Wood is sounding the alarm on. So uh, brave young man, we're, we appreciate him. Um, wanted to say, though, before we get into all that, uh, today is Memorial Day, and um I kind of, I guess I planned a little wrong. I should have had a video where I talked about or had had something along the, that theme um, on Monday. But uh, I, one of the things I I, I thought of um, the, the, in regards to Memorial Day, every year people post patriotic sentiments, uh, sometimes pictures of family. That's the most powerful thing in my mind. You got a family member that who has died, paid the ultimate sacrifice, and um, one of the things, though, I wanted to say that I see that I and I know it's been around for a while, but I, I feel like maybe either I'm noticing it more or it's becoming more prevalent is this idea that um, and it's more on the conservative side, uh, the politically right side, that the what makes a life worth dying, what 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 makes that ultimate sacrifice worthy is a noble cause. And I don't want to take anything away from a noble cause, but that um, ultimately it is the the larger political, uh, the, really sometimes even it's not the political cause, it, it is even bigger than that. It's the way that people are remembering uh, the political um, uh, consequence of a conflict that makes it, makes an ultimate sacrifice worth it. Dying for a cause that is just um, so great and so pure and so, um, I mean, and, and, and that is, there's a part of that that is true, I think. But the thing that I wanted to emphasize, the thing that I've been thinking about is that I've read a lot of accounts from World War II, from uh, the war between the states, from the Revolutionary War especially, and ultimately people don't really, they don't usually go to their death. Uh, in fact, I, I don't know if they ever really go to their death ultimately because of some abstract cause, like making the world safe for democracy or quote unquote freedom. 
I, I think it's more, it, it's for tangible things more. It's for uh, your family. It is for the people in the foxhole next to you. It's for your friends, for um, your community, for your country. And by extension, you, you know, want to preserve a way of life that involves civil liberties, freedom to worship, these kinds of things. But it's ultimately for, for those people that people die. Greater love has no man than this than to give his life for what? His friend, not for freedom, not for making the world safe for democracy. And that's a universal quality. That's something that is common to soldiers throughout time and geography. And, um, and that's what makes it personal. That's what I think makes it also touching when you realize that th these were people who were willing to give their lives for people they loved. I saw a post uh, by um, Chris Pratt, and, and, so, and some of it was pretty good, but I, I wanted to, it, it made me think of some of this. I wanted to push back on it a little, where he kind of implies that, you know, Americans' soldiers are always the good guys. I mean, look, you know, they defeated those, the Union defeated the Confederates. The Americans went and they defeated the Nazis. And I've tried to point out many times that if you start going down this really distinct black and white road, um, and, I, and I look, I think in general, America has been a force for good. Um, but I know that there were also things that we've done. There are battles I can point to. There's conflicts I can point to um, that weren't so good. But I can still respect the men. I can still, you know, what they knew at the time, uh, their understanding going into this and the valor and the bravery. And I mean, these are the things that we uphold on Memorial Day. Ultimately, if we make this, it must be this really black and white standard. And they were they were clearly the good guys. And that's really the if, if we go to the point of making that the sole basis for honoring them, then that paradigm is shifting quick. That Overton window is moving. And what's acceptable is not going to be acceptable even in five years. Uh, I know I've said before, I mean, you want to talk about World War Two. Uh, let's talk about the, the Pacific Theater, segregated um, army, uh, back home, prison camps, if you want to call them that, or, uh, you know, some segregating off uh, Japanese people. Um, internment camps is, is what they usually referred to. Uh, but you had a lot of racially charged language used. You had the first atomic, I mean, this is the most significant one, the first um, atomic bombs ever used in world history dropped on this by U.S. standards a minority population and is that going to be something that in five years is cancelable well we just don't think that cause was worth it so these soldiers the raising of the flag on Iwo Jima this kind of stuff uh, is that even acceptable and so I, I think it's a, a little bit of a dangerous road to go down um, I'm just saying what the reason that the things that bring me to tears uh, or on the verge of it on Memorial Day and thinking about are thinking about my family, thinking about um, those who uh, ultimately gave a sacrifice because they loved their fellow man, they loved their country, and they had a love that I share. I love my country too. I love my family too. I love my community too. I love the history of this land as well and those kinds of things. And, uh, and, and that's what I think makes it worth remembering more than anything else is who these men were, what motivated them to do what they did, and then the valor and the bravery 
that they exhibited, which we're in short supply of today. We need people, we need men to have that kind of bravery, bravery and valor once again, and that willingness to sacrifice for others. So um, I, I just wanted to say that, and it's not too, it, it's, I guess I am being a little corrective, but I'm not trying to be a huge, this isn't a huge thing. It's just, I I can just see down the road a little bit, and I know where this logic can lead, and we just don't want to um, ever say that the sacrifice of men who defended their home, defended their country, defended their uh, families, um, is it, it's worth it or not worth it, or worthy of respect and honor, only if today, by our present standards, we agree 100% with their cause, because it's you're never going to find that completely. So uh, let's talk about this, though. Let's go through, through the uh, North American Mission Board stuff here. And um, we, will, uh, we will continue. I'm going to play at 1.5 speed. It'll be a little faster. Uh, but let's listen up to what Kyle Witt has to say. But it doesn't really, really end there on my story either. Because when I started to ask these questions, and I didn't just do it in an echo chamber, I went to different people took them uh, these teachings and presented them to them. Didn't tell them, hey, this is, I think this is false. What do you think? Because what's the most likely answer they're going to give me? It's going to be at least some degree of agreement because I already revealed my position. No. It's a little fast, so I'm going to go to uh, 1.25 speed. It's still a little faster than normal, but not quite that fast. I went to them neutrally. I'm like, hey, look, this is something from the organization that I'm uh, partnering with. What do you think of this and how they communicate this? Uh, and I got some people that didn't see problems with it. I got some people that saw lots of problems with it. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just being uh, the same person I was before Christ, a arrogant, sarcastic, cynical jerk. Because though Christ has saved me, that comes out sometimes. So I wanted to do my legwork, do my homework, test it, test it with scripture, test it with people in Christ that I trust, I even took it to a, uh, a Bible study that I was running on evangelism. Uh, took one of the documents in particular, and we had gone through Romans because we wanted to get the full gospel. We wanted to look at the very technical, what is the gospel, to make sure everyone really had that solid, because no evangelism can work if you don't have a solid foundation. Uh, and then I thought it'd be fun, okay, let's look at this, this document. They read it and immediately started comparing it to Paul's gospel in Romans, and not favorably, not favorably, uh, commenting on how it seems to be promoting uh, almost a works salvation uh, through emphasis. That's emphasizing the work so much that the salvation of the soul is almost forgotten, uh, that it almost seems to be promising people things in sort of a health and wealth style that specifically you can see uh, economic restoration happen. Uh, it seemed very appealing because of that, uh, talking about how it seems to be confusing uh, what sanctification is and what glorification is. And to go back to Philippians, yeah, maybe in there they were getting justification right. They were getting the how we come to Christ right, but they're adding all of these other things, just as uh, the teachers that Paul was rebuking were. They got All right, let's... let's um... I think this would be a good time for me to just show you. This is one of the things that Kyle has uh, linked to. Um, actually, he uploaded it from the Send Network, and it's the Three Circles teaching. And this is, I think, what he's talking about, possibly. Um, it says in it that, um, let's see here. 
Sin has changed how we worship God and serve others through the dignity of work, thus driving humanity toward work inequity and impaired stewardship. Consequences, brokenness. Uh, The good news of the gospel covers creation, fall, redemption, and restoration of God's creation. Too often we treat the gospel as if the good news stops at redemption. However, the good news doesn't stop there. The gospel is not simply a message for the afterlife. It it has real-time, real-life application for our day-to-day lives as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to pursue restoration in our own lives. Uh, Relationships and world around us, we see it modeled perfectly in the life of Jesus, We know he met the spiritual needs of the people, but he also met emotional needs, economic needs, and social needs. He healed the sick, challenged corruption in the leaders and in systems, and honored the poor and the outcasts. Wherever Jesus went, holistic restoration was taking place. The gospel is not good news without spiritual redemption, nor is it good news void of economic, uh, emotional, and social restoration. The good news of the the kingdom is that God is establishing a new order. Um, let's see. When churches embody the value of restoration, uh, they engage in ways uh, that reflect God's design for holistic health. Recovering and pursuing God's design for spiritual, emotional, economic, and social health shows people how they can experience restoration in every area of human brokenness. Holistic restoration is the outworking of the identity of every believer in to bring God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So this is um this is fascinating to me. This is it, it is very similar actually to the prosperity gospel. It actually kind of is the prosperity gospel. In a, it's very similar, except that instead of about individual lives necessarily, this is about this sort of systemic, social, uh, broadly speaking, collective um, restoration of some kind. And that this happens in the here and now. This isn't for uh, to come. Uh, it is to come, but it's also for now. And this is, we're supposed to be uh, bringing in God's kingdom here on earth. That's the goal, and that's part of the gospel. So you can see the works that are then attached to the gospel. Like, well, what does it mean to bring God's kingdom here? I mean, it means economic justice. So we have to do these economic justice things and social justice things uh, in order to be applying the gospel somehow. This is very different than, obviously, the way that the gospel is used in Scripture. You have a broad um, definition of the gospel, which could be used uh, to describe the life of Jesus, the gospels, right? Um but when the gospel is used in a theological sense, it is referring to uh, the it, what God's work, what he has done on behalf of the sinner to reconcile him into a relationship with God. And this is going way past that. This is, we need to do something. We are, uh, and, and I think that's what Kyle Witt is getting at here, is that this is a prosperity gospel of a, of a kind. Um, so let's, let's keep going here. That's one of the documents I wanted to make you aware of. The base right, but then they started adding more and more. They added works to the gospel that you had to do, otherwise it was a false gospel. Otherwise you couldn't actually come to Christ. There was barriers put in place. And for that, Paul called them dogs, evildoers. And we're very sensitive nowadays, and I think for a lot of good reasons, but we're very sensitive about calling people out. And yeah, I'm not the Apostle Paul. I would be arrogant if I talked the way that he did. But I can compare things with Scripture and compare things with what he said and go, okay, this is not acceptable. Another big thing that happened after I emailed uh, to Hadi Lewis was I almost immediately got contacted by the local NAM missionary. And to read roughly what I was told when I brought up some of my questions on things, both on the teaching side and the administrative side, uh, that these were questions for uh, in the room, uh, that I have no reason to be in the room, that NAM has no responsibility to be transparent. Yes, I was, I was told that. I was told by him that Nam has no uh, responsibility to be transparent. I don't know if he meant in general or just transparent to me. 
that no other planter was asking these questions. I want to pause for a moment. If you are a planter and you've been asking these questions, feel free to contact me. Not to, to get more stuff out there, but I want to encourage you. I want to make sure you know that you're not alone. And these are good questions. We need to know the answers to what uh, our leaders believe and what we're supposed to teach. Uh, and you told me to just put my head down and move forward without paying attention to the organizations above me. That was what he did as a planter, and that will make me much happier. This is the second part. This is the uh, corruption slash uh, lack of accountability uh, slash um, controlling tendency that uh, Kyle Witt is calling attention to. It's not just a theological problem. There's a corruption problem here. And it makes questioning the theological problem almost impossible uh, from someone who's uh, at the lower levels. Um, and so this is is significant in my mind. And this is what this is consistent with the story I hear from other people in NAM that cannot come out for reasons of they'll lose their job. It was very much spun in a happy, positive way, like, oh, well, I'm taking a burden from you. I'm taking a burden from you by removing any accountability, by not answering your questions, by not telling you uh, why we're behaving the way we are and what we teach. I don't know, I'm not accusing Mr. Lewis of sending that guy out as an attack dog. I do not in any way think that's what's happened. If anyone took it that way, no. I'm saying what happened. And at the minimum, this man thought that was how he needed to respond. And again, I don't think he personally did it maliciously, but the implication was still very clear. Don't ask questions. We don't have any responsibility to give you answers. When you tell someone that they have a partial gospel or a half gospel, you're saying it's false. So I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk a little bit about the, the, the gospel that, that they're uh, encouraging us to teach. I think it'd be important just to bring up a few of the words that I've been given uh, from Send Network, from Dehadi Lewis, uh, just so you can see that this is not, hopefully you see, this is not my interpretation, this is not my uh, manipulation, this is not my uh, desire to smear anyone. What I'm here to say is what I'm being taught, how I'm being encouraged to teach doesn't line up with the Bible and is more than just an emphasis. This is from a, a document that I was sent by Dehadi Lewis. Uh, I'll make it, a, you know, make it available. You can go look at it. This is on Sen's website in about three or four different forms. Uh, but it's uh, Restoration in the Three Circles. Now, if you don't know, the Three Circles is a... Uh, a and, and this is what we actually just talked about, so um, I may skip over some of this. So Way of teaching the gospel. How yeah, that's the document we just saw. So uh, let me just skip ahead a little bit here. So Kyle's critiquing this. Um, here, we'll go to the end of his critique here. Restoration in our lives, relationships, and the world around us. Now, that doesn't sound that weird, but again, we're starting to get into the territory of emphasis. He's starting to shift the emphasis a little bit uh, from the gospel itself to results of the gospel. And that's a good way to uh, distinguish here. The, the fruit of the gospel, uh, people who are saved uh, can then go and do these things for God's glory uh, versus the gospel itself. If you start conflating those two things, then you can start to attach works to the gospel. And that's a great point that Kyle's making here. 
and then adding restoration that we're supposed to be pursuing. Uh, but what is this restoration? That's been my biggest question is what is this restoration? Restoration is talked about a lot uh, and not in the context of the final restoration. But and that's another good point. Um, I caught that too. When you read this, it, there's the final restoration. There's what God is going to do in the new heavens and new earth. But there's this thing. I mean, the last sentence says it. Every believer is to bring God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Now, the Lord's Prayer says that, right? Uh, thy kingdom, thy, thy will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. But um, it, that's, a, I think, a little different than the believer bringing through their works God's kingdom here on earth. I don't think that's the, the mission of the believer. Uh, we pray for God's will to be done. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for Christ to come back. Um, but there are things that are just outside of our hands, and there's a, there's a time frame here, too. Uh, there's a, um, we are on one side. Uh, and there's another side coming. Now, there's some post-millennialists who probably would disagree and say, no, we should be, you know, they like this language a little more. Um, I think it does get a little dangerous, though. Uh, I think um, that God's kingdom uh, is, that this is something that Jesus gave us a foretaste of, uh, the kingdom of God, when he came, and he showed it in his healing ministry. It was the peeling back of the curse of sin uh, and giving, giving us an idea of what that's like. But this is something that God is going to have to bring in, usher in himself. Uh, and so um, if you think that this is something that happens now and through, and this, remember, this is church planners. Church planners, it's their job to somehow do this, to scale back the curse of sin uh, in these ways, then um, I think it's a sequencing problem. And, and then attaching that to the gospel and saying, well, this is part of the gospel. So for 2,000 years, this is what Christians have been, this is their main charge somehow. And this is just, this would be on equal plane, at least with uh, the good news of forgiveness of sins is now um, the good news of healing the sick and systemic, rolling back systemic oppression, uh, restoring to a pre-fall state. Um, I mean, that's the first paragraph, the end of it. Um, so this is, this is utopianism. That would be the word for it. Uh, and this is what has wrecked a lot of denominations. This is what the social gospel was about. This restoration is to meet the social, the economic, and the emotional needs of people. To challenge corruption in leaders and systems and honor the poor and the outcast. The gospel is not good news without spiritual redemption, nor spiritual, emotional, economic. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit here because he's reading what I've already read do works in accord with the gospel, with the, the transformed life that we now have, to show your salvation through your changed life. Who wants to come to a gospel that's powerless to change people? What are you saved from if, you, if there's no transformation? There's no salvation there. But to say that that is a part of the gospel, to say that that is a... Uh, a an integral aspect that we do is to add a work that humans are supposed to accomplish. What can we do in our own power? To give an analogy, I think, to, to make this even clearer, maybe, uh, that would be like saying, well, the Democratic Party has half the gospel because they want to roll back economic oppression. They have half of it, 
but they just really need that spiritual part. As long as they had that, they'd have a full gospel. And these, you know, fundamentalist Christians, well, they have half the gospel. They just don't, they, they don't have the economic part and they need that. I mean, that's, that would be the kind of thinking. And that's, that's ridiculous. There's no power of the Holy Spirit, power, you know, there's no polit- political movement, secular political movements, especially from a godless political party, uh, would would certainly, there's no gospel power in that. That's not the Holy Spirit working. That's not the mission of the church or the gospel there. But this kind of a document could be used to say that. Now, conversely, it could all, I mean, I could say, you know what? You don't really have the full gospel until you have capitalism. <laughs> like, you know, you know, the free market, you need the free market to really have the gospel because that guarantees economic prosperity. I mean, that would sound so crazy, but that's essentially what's happening here. Uh, it's just coming from the left. Nothing. All our righteousness is filthy rags before the Lord. The only things we can do are the works that Christ has set out. We need to know the difference between the gospel that saves man's souls, that transforms them, that takes a flaming persecutor of the church and transforms him into the greatest theologian in the church, that takes a uh, blaspheming fisherman that denied Christ before man and makes him one of the pillars of the early church, one of the most humble men, that takes someone who didn't believe who their little brother was and makes him the head of the Jerusalem church. There is life before, there is life after, and what happens in between is Jesus. He changes everything. You want to talk about complete transformation? You want to talk about restoration? That's how it happens. It happens by Christ. Only by Christ. Yes, there's a lot of good we can do in this earth. We need to care about the sick. What does James tell us? True religion is this, to care for widows and orphans in their distress. But all of our love is hatred. Do you understand this? All of our love is hatred if we are not giving people the gospel that can save their soul. No uh, uh, economic restoration. No social restoration. No uh, racial reconciliation. No uh, uh, emotional restoration matters unless it's rooted in Christ. Those people cannot be emotionally restored. Do you understand me? Those people cannot be emotionally restored until they're reconciled to Christ. That gospel is the dividing wall. We cannot go out into the world and create a, a better society simply by our actions. If they had tried that in Rome under persecution, we wouldn't have a church right now. If that was their, their plan for uh, ending abortion and infanticide in the Roman Empire, it wouldn't have ended. You know how they changed things? By giving people the gospel. And they did live in accordance with the gospel. They would go and they would save those babies abandoned on the side of the road. Christ was the change. It's not a spectrum where you slide into restoration. It is a gap, a infinite pit that cannot be crossed. Only Christ can bring that restoration. And get... So, so this is good stuff. He's saying that the th- these are vague, kind of general, um, th- like economic injustice, for instance, scaling that back. I mean, this is a vague economic uh, uh, goal. How, how do you know when you've actually accomplished it? Well, Christ is going to come back. He's actually going to accomplish it. And that's that's Christ's work. But 
um, if this is part of the gospel that we're supposed to be proclaiming as a church here and now, then how do you know that you've actually achieved this? You don't. Uh, there's no way. You never will. It's a failure. You're, you'll never actually accomplish the goal. So you'll never be implementing the whole gospel. You can never quite do it. Um, people who are affected, who, who you are able to make significant changes with, let's say, but they don't actually receive Christ, somehow they're beneficiaries of a gospel, but they don't actually have Christ. So this is the tension and the confusion and just all the problems that come with this crazy vetted uh, document that Send Network's putting out there. But this is going, remember, this is going to missionaries uh, and church planners, I should say, um, probably missionaries too, but church planners in North America. This isn't just Kyle. Uh, this is going out to all kinds of new plants. Uh, this is not a good message. Restoration that brings, that brings all the rest. The problem is that restoration doesn't always look like how the world would define it. And it shocks me. It shocks me how we switch from, hey, let's give people that thing that literally saves them eternally. That you're either going to be eternally separated from God in hell, or you're going to be eternally restored to God with him. And says, nah, that's not big enough for me. I need these restorations here and now. I don't think society will come to a gospel that reconciles them to God. They need to know that we're about reconciling them emotionally. And economically. I don't even know what that means. What does that mean to restore them? What does that mean to... How, how can they be restored in anything without Christ? And once they come to Christ, what restoration is there left for us to do? Yes, we can always do a better job about building up the church, building up the community of Christ. But what restoration can we accomplish in our own power? This is from uh, Sen Network's values statement. It's a booklet. It's freely available, and I'll make sure that there's, you know, reference to that. There's links to that. Uh, this is from Chapter 7, Restoration Through the Great Requirement. Have you ever heard the saying, save the soul and the rest will follow? This, unfortunately, characterizes the historic actions of many American evangelicals. We've reduced the gospel to the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples, and the Great Commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yet in all our evangelistic zeal, we have tragically missed a key component of the gospel, restoration through the great requirement. We see the great requirement in Micah 6.8. Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you, to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. God requires us to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with him. The great requirement does not happen separately from our commission and commandment. I hope you can see how, especially why I wanted to start with talking about Philippians. Because that's what these teachers were doing. They were bringing in the law back into the gospel. And this values booklet, uh, though there's lots of true things said, in this section, it assumes that the great commandments, uh, that to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, it assumes those are a part of the gospel itself. It does not say consequence of gospel, does not say result of gospel, does not say commandment of Christ, but it clarifies the gospel, a key component of the gospel, and adds this great requirement, which, like the greatest commandments, are a summation of the law. 
So we have two summations of the law added in as key components of the gospel. That the gospel does not happen. And here's where I want to make it clear. That language, key component of the gospel, to attach it to that, it means the gospel does not happen without them. We're being told. Okay, so th this is actually pretty good stuff right here. Uh, I think I had that pulled up. The Great Requirement. So yeah, it's right there. I, I clicked the link, nam.net. This is no, Southern Baptist. You're funding this. This is on the North American Mission Board webpage. Um, have you ever heard the saying, save the soul and the rest will follow? This unfortunately characterizes historic actions of many American evangelicals. We reduce the gospel to the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples and the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yet in all our evangelistic seal, we have tragically missed a key component of the gospel, restoration through the great requirement, um, <laughs> which is to do justice. I I'm sorry. This was written by someone who, I mean, this is, Dottie Lewis wrote this. He has a, um, a doctor of ministry from the same seminary I went to, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, which doesn't surprise me, unfortunately. But this is someone who is educated in theology, who is putting something out there this redundant. Two summations of the law are somehow part of the gospel, and it's it's got to be this one in Micah 6, 8, because then you can smuggle all the social justice stuff under it to act justly, right? Which they think means all their uh, economic, there it is, spiritual, emotional, economic, and social dynamics of our communities. Uh, okay, so... And then it goes into detail of what that means. Here's the economic pillar. We address systemic issues in our communities. One of the major factors is economic stability. Um, social pillar. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I'll just drop this now. Uh, enemies within the church, uh, which should be coming out, I think, soon, as far as I know, at least. That's what the director told me. Judd Saul, the director, told me that Dottie Lewis, some of the research they've done, apparently, has unearthed uh, the... Uh, fact that it was him, Dottie Lewis, uh, from his church, Blueprint Church, I believe is the name, that he was. it was his church that was instrumental in launching the AND campaign, which we've talked about, which is social justice, right, and the gospel. So um, this, this is someone who is, I mean, we're letting a wolf in the hen house here, someone who is a false teacher, uh, direct the SEND network. That, oh, well, salvation of man's souls is only a part of the gospel, is a partial gospel. They're making it clear, they're adding these works to it. I was asked, how are we supposed to teach as church planters? And we're supposed to teach that there is no gospel without works. It's going to destroy this, this church. It's going to destroy this country. That's so desperate for the gospel. Living up here in Washington State, living in an area where 10% or less of people even claim to be some form of Protestant evangelical Christian, to live in an area that, based on every statistic, the shrinking of the church here and the growth of the LGBT community, there will be more people, a higher percentage of people that identify as LGBT in my area than identify as Christian in the next 10 years. No work we can do is going to change that. They're seeking their restoration somewhere else. Nothing you can do is going to compete with that. You can't outcompete their community. What you can do is give them Christ. You can show them how Christ commands us to show them 
that we are his disciples. And that's for our love for one another within the body. We show them authentic, real community in our churches. We need to have better discipleship. We need to have better uh, preaching and teaching. Instead, what we're doing right now, what we're being taught to teach, is to get in our nice boat that we have in a flood. The water is rising. People are on their roofs. They need saving. And you go around and you're passing out food and you're passing out blankets and you're passing out uh, cell phone and entertainment and media. You're passing out uh, access to education and uh, different restoration. You're passing out all these things. And you go, okay, you're good now, bye. And you sail off in your boat. Your love is hatred because you didn't give them the one thing that can save them. Maybe you talk about that. Maybe you talk about how they could be saved, but then you just pile them on with stuff. Do you love someone enough to give them the only thing, unadulterated, unconfused, unattached to other works or ideas or teachings, to give them the gospel that says that Christ, our God, came down to this earth to die on a cross, to die the death that we could not die, that pay the punishment that we could not, so that we could be restored to God for all eternity, that we would not suffer in hell for all eternity for the sins that we've committed, the right and just punishment we deserve, but we could have it paid for. Only that can transform people. And in the SBC, we need to call things to account. We need to not have answers given like, well, Nam has no reason to be accountable to you. Nam has no reason to answer your questions. And yes, Mr. Lewis was generous enough to answer some of my questions, but what he gave me was adding things to the gospel that aren't supposed to be there. Grab hold of the gospel and preach that. You wanna see change in this country? You wanna see revival happen? Preach the gospel. You lead a church, you wanna see things change? Disciple your people. Equip them to preach the gospel. I can provide you information. If you have any questions or you think my motivation is wrong or uh, whatever it is, again, my email, Kyle Witt, K-Y-L-E-W-H-I-T-T at live.com. I'm willing to talk with you because this is so important and I want to make sure this is not a misrepresenting of things, but this is a calling to account that we may grow. What is the purpose of church discipline? Church discipline is a mercy given to the church that there may be restoration. I've asked questions of people in charge. I've sought things out, but now I need to call out these public teachings. I need to call it the public teachings in public so people know what's going on, how their church planters are being trained. So that we might see restoration, the restoration we actually need, which is a return to God's word and the gospel. And that is what I am encouraging. And God bless you. God bless you. God bless all of you for listening to this. And I pray that you take my words seriously enough to confirm them. I'm an open book. You can contact me if you need to. I will get you the information. I'm sure there will be a lot of information attached to this. This is not something done in secret. This is not hiding. This is calling us all to our first love in Christ. God bless you, brothers and sisters. All right. And that's, uh, that's the end of it. Now, I mean, it's it's heartfelt, it's passionate, it's brave, it's true. This is something great, uh, something great to share. I want to play this for you. This is Dottie Lewis. This is who he's talking about. Here's a, a clip. Woke Preacher Clips put this out there. Uh, Dottie Lewis, 
explain that the gospel is good is not good news without emotional, economic, and social restoration. So here is Dottie Lewis actually saying this. The gospel is not simply a message for the afterlife. It has real-time, real-life applications for our day-to-day lives. We see it modeled perfectly in the life of Jesus. We know he met the spiritual needs of people, but we also know that he met emotional needs as well. He met economic needs and also social needs. He healed the sick, challenged corruption in leaders and systems. He honored the poor and the outcasts. Wherever Jesus went, holistic restoration was taking place. The gospel is not good news without spiritual redemption and restoration. But the gospel is also not good news without emotional, economic, and social restoration as well. The good news of the kingdom is that God is establishing a new order where all things, spiritual, emotional, economic, and social, are restored to their original sinless design. So let's take a look at the gospel using a a tool that we call the three circles. Traditionally, this is how we share the gospel, right? All right, I'm not going to go through it all, (laughs) but you hear, I think you heard enough there. Uh, to know what Kyle's talking about in his video. Uh, this is the person running the Sin Network, and um, it's concerning, guys. Uh, if you're Southern Baptist, I would be thinking about whether or not you want to fund this stuff. I'd be thinking about if you're a messenger, whether or not you want to uh, bring this up at the convention. This is, uh, or if things don't change significantly, leave. Um, the, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. There's false teaching going on, and uh, it's uh, concerning. So. I hope that was helpful for you all, uh, you Southern Baptists out there who listened. And uh, we got more coming up later in the week. And I hope it's a good day for you. And uh, we uh, we will reconvene later this week. God bless you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.